KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Sabrina, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of this country just completely starting to shut everything down due to the pandemic. How much do you think in your life things have changed over these last two years? It's been bizarre, Jay. They changed and then they sort of changed back. And now we're in this like hybrid world. You know, honestly, is it weird that I have a strange nostalgia for the days of being forced to slow down and just take time to myself (laughs) and be home for a little while? I might honor the two year anniversary by staying at home all day on Saturday. You know, considering the way the weather's going to be here this weekend, probably maybe the best idea. Not to say, obviously, the pandemic was a terrible thing, but I think we learned some good things from it. This world is so much different. And I think, especially in the whole lockdown, I put quote marks around that because some of us were still actually running into the studio to do weekends (laughs) and things of that nature. But the actual change in things, how everything went quiet, went silent, how you could get anywhere in the city in seven to ten minutes because nobody was on the highway. Kind of missed that, actually. You couldn't do that. And now we're living in this limbo of starting to climb out of this pandemic. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd Circa. And it's Friday, and you know what that means. We've got something for you when it comes for the theater fans out there. As Oklahoma, the legendary musical, is playing at the Forest Theater. And this is the revival that puts a kind of a grittier spin on the story with a more diverse cast. So, Sabrina, you already know I'm going to ask you what you think of this. Oh, yeah. We'll be talking about it. But first, the president. He's here in his adopted second hometown of Philadelphia. President Biden was here in hopes of rallying House Democrats who are here for a conference. And there's a lot on the president's plate right now. Now, that meeting was held at the Hilton on Penn's Landing. Biden was also scheduled to visit an elementary school before heading out to Camp David. Now, we hear a lot about the president's approval rating. But what do you think the approval rating would be for the Philadelphia Parking Authority? Everyone's favorite meter checking, envelope stuffing, car towing, tire booting operation in the city. Well, <laughs> if it sounds like I'm, I think a little highly of Speaking it. Speaking from experience? Just, I, ha- I haven't been booted or towed. Okay. I've, I've given way too much money to the PPA over the last six years. And now they're getting new leadership because Executive Director Scott Petrie was fired yesterday. The PPA has called it a personnel matter and they didn't go into any other details to why he was suddenly let go. But a month ago, the Philadelphia City Council passed a resolution to investigate the PPA's finances over a $34 million fund for retiree health benefits. Petrie's last day on the job is today. PPA's general counsel, Dennis Weldon, is going to take over in his place while they search for a new leader. That's interesting. And I am going to keep my eye on this to see if they tell us more. I think there's more to this story. There there might be just a touch more to this than, than meets the eye, but we don't know. We'll find out. As we go along here, the other big thing in this city, well, that pretty disgusting Sixers game that occurred last night. And the less said about that, the better. But there are some good things to talk about sports wise, including just before 3.30 yesterday, we found out that the Major League Baseball Players Association, as well as the owners, had reached an agreement. The owners ratified it later on in the evening. That means Major League Baseball is back, baby. The owners and Players Association settled on a new collective bargaining agreement on the 99th day of the lockout. Now it looks like things are going to be back on. They're going to get 162 games in with opening day across Major League Baseball being on April 7th. Philly's opening day, the home opener, will be on April 8th when they take on the Oakland A's. You know, it's maybe slowly starting to warm up again. It is good news that baseball is back. I know a lot of people are looking forward to sitting outside at a game, watching the Phillies, getting that season underway. I'm one of those people. <laughs> I'm 
admittedly, I always think of large pretzels when I think of baseball games. Because the first baseball game I went to, I was four years old, and I had never seen a giant pretzel before. And my, my mom takes me to this Detroit Tiger game. I was enamored by, I see these gigantic pretzels just spinning around on there. Now, every time I go to a baseball That's game, I, I have to get a, a large pretzel because it makes me think of my mom and think of baseball. I've, I rarely go, but I will go for the atmosphere and for a beer and a hot dog. See, there you go. That's <laughs> all you need. Baseball is the perfect sport for just being able to chill out on an afternoon or an evening in the summer. Also, we've got Eagle stuff, too. Jason Kelsey, who is maybe just one of the most beloved Philadelphia athletes of all time. He announced in the most Jason Kelsey Philadelphia way that he was not going to retire. He's going to come back for another season with the Eagles. The Pro Bowl center did it in the only way he could. He tapped a keg that his coach, Nick Sirianni, apparently sent to him and told him about when he showed up here in our building earlier this week as a special guest host on Sports Radio 94 WIP. And he signed off on a video that the Eagles posted on their social media, and he told teammates to get ready to dominate. He's one of the most beloved figures here in the city of Philadelphia, as opposed to Ben Simmons, who is one of the most hated. The video yesterday of him getting heckled as he's walking out of a hotel room where one guy simply yells, you stink, which is probably the nicest thing that was said <laughs> that we can actually that I can actually repeat here on this podcast. The enthusiasm of Philadelphia sports fans comes in so many different forms. Some of them good. Some of them not so much. And you've got to respect this city's passion. And Dave Uram has a new series that you can follow on our website, KYW News Radio, as well, of course, on the Odyssey app and on KYW News Radio 103.9 FM and 1060 AM as well. And it focuses on you, the Philly sports fan. And he's joining us right now. And Dave, what's inspired you to start this series? Jay, I always appreciate coming on the John cast, especially to talk about this. It's called the Philadelphia Sports Fan of the Week. And these teams in our town, Jay, would not exist without the fans. Every fan has a beautiful story to that person's fandom. I'm fascinated by the story of somebody's fandom. So that's that's why I wanted to do a feature and learn about your story. If you're a fan out there, learn about your story and why you love sports so much and what you love doing in terms of your sports fandom and how that all started. Now, Dave, you've done a couple of these profiles so far. And the first one, people are going to be very familiar with. Kenny from the Dirty 30, Kenny Justice. Uh, the Dirty 30 was a, was a group of fans uh, from a WIP morning show promotion in 1999 that went to the draft in hopes of the Eagles selecting Ricky Williams. And the fans booed the selection of Donovan McNabb. So Kenny's been a fan for almost 50 years. And the thing that, that uh, one of the things that I found most interesting about him is he's got two young kids. It's important for him to get his kids and his family involved in his fandom. And he feels like that they're chips off the old block. My kids especially, I mean, they, they just love coming to all the sporting events. And my son especially, he's way crazier and wilder than I ever was. And when he comes to games, all the regulars that sit around me, he puts on a show. I just sit back and let him go. It's a beautiful story when you hear him talk glowingly about how he went away from his eagle seats for a couple of minutes and fellow fans in his section were watching his young son. And as he was away from his seat, a Cowboys fan sat in, sat in his seat and this young, this young kid is giving it to the Cowboys fan. <laughs> his daughter, they were at a, a minor league baseball game after the opposing team hit like a home run or a triple or something, stood up on her seat and said, screw you 
you to the to the, <laughs> to the uh, opposing player. And then he's like, where did you learn those words? And she said, I heard Angelo Cataldi say it on WIP. <laughs> so it's, and, he, and he says, the only time that his kid is allowed to say sucks is when it's Dallas sucks. And, and I asked him, are you proud about that? He said, good parenting. That's totally acceptable around here. <laughs> um, and then the other fan, another famous fan, wonderful woman, Shirley Dash, Eagles Shirley, energetic, passionate fan, getting to talk to her for about 30 to 40 minutes. You just learn about what, what's important to her, how she takes personal pride in defending the Philadelphia fandom and the sports teams against the negative perception from the national media and other cities. It's just wonderful to hear a fan's perspective on themselves. I live in North Philadelphia near the Temple University area, and I'm in a generation where we was outside playing. We played outside. We played basketball, football, tennis. We played hockey, air, you know, air hockey, you know, street ball hockey, wall ball, jump rope jacks. Like we, I came from the era of outside playing. So when it was time for the Sixers to come on or the Flyers or the Phillies or the Eagles, everyone went in the house. Watching sports was something that my family did and my neighborhood did. I didn't really dawn on me that the bond that we was doing as a family, that we was doing together will, will eventually come to this type of moment or these moments in my life. But it started way back. It was like a foundation built or instilled in me. If you want to submit yourself to be featured as the Philadelphia Sports Fan of the Week, go to kywnewsradio.com slash fans. We'll have a submission form up. I've been tweeting out the submission form. I'm looking to make this a weekly thing, and I'm looking to tell your story because everybody, Jay, has a story. Dave Uram, that's amazing. Follow Dave on Twitter at Mr. Uram to find out more about how you can submit your fan story. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Always appreciate it, Jay. Now, in just a minute, we'll get Sabrina's take on yet another amazing musical coming through the city of Philadelphia. It's the revival of Oklahoma, and it's not the old-timey Oklahoma that you might be thinking of. We'll talk more about that coming up after the break. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina, and I'm going to bring in another friend to talk about theater. Finally, another uh, theater nerd who I can chat with, Christina Luca Coppicer. Hello and welcome. Hi. I have been dying to come back to talk about theater, so this <laughs> is going to be great. Well, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, Luca is our digital manager, but also uh, a theater fan like myself, and we went together to see Oklahoma at the Forest Theater this week. Luca, what did you think of it? Well, this is my second time seeing it. This production, um, this kind of stripped down, raunchy Oklahoma. Um, and I, I liked it as much as I did the first time. It was interesting seeing it with a different cast. Mm. Um, but I enjoyed how bizarre it was, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I think it's a, they, they pulled the weird out of it and made it the highlight of the show. It's a um, weird show. It's incredibly strange. And I, I hadn't seen the original on stage, but I'd seen the movie and I felt like it it sort of just like glossed over the weird. Like it had those parts and then it was like, but but we're gonna ignore that and just have a celebration. And this actually was like, no, we, we're gonna acknowledge that this is weird. I thought the the most interesting thing that they did was the moments in the original where you're kind of like, Am I supposed to feel icky about this? They just say, You're gonna feel icky about mm -hmm. this. Like you're we're gonna cut the lights. We're gonna only let you listen to like really 
intense audio <laughs> that you can't see the actors. Or put a camera all up in someone's face. It, it was good. It was very interesting. And it was cool. To, I was thinking up until, you know, that night I kept thinking, I hear this is really good, but I don't understand how anyone could take this story and make it make sense like today. And they, they did that. They took the like old timey, old fashionedness out of it. So if that's what you want and that's what you're going for, this is not the production for you to see. We actually saw some people like get up and walk out because they didn't realize what they were there for. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think it, it made it much more interesting for me, for sure. Totally. And I yeah, I think uh, for the for the classicists out there um, <laughs> who saw, oh, Oklahoma's coming to Philly. Great. And then went and saw this. Uh, I can understand why they walked out right away. Yeah. But it's not everyone's cup of tea. No, not at all. And the one other thing I did want to mention is the Dream Ballet, which is often like the most the biggest slog ever, um, was so good in this version. It was modern dance. It wasn't traditional ballet. So I thought that that was a really cool, updated, sort of funky yeah, and way she was to great do dancer. it. She was so good. She was so good. Um, so yeah, I, I loved that. And I love that they made the Dream Ballet like rock and interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think my favorite thing about the show, though, was Sis. So Sis plays Ado Annie. She, Sis is a trans black woman. Ado Annie is traditionally this like white, skinny girl, Blonde. like pretty, but kind of ditzy Sis is none of that. She's pretty other than pretty. <laughs> but I got a chance to talk to Sis and ask her why she was drawn to this show and this role in particular. I really wanted to kind of transcend the narrative of who these original classic characters could be and what they looked like. So I really just wanted to redefine that. Now, when you saw this on Broadway in New York, that role was played by Ali Stroker, who is in a wheelchair. Yes. So they're really they're really doing non-traditional casting, which I think is super cool. So Ali Stroker, she is in a wheelchair, but she's also blonde and small and white. So that part of Ado Annie's original, you know, the, the traditional version of her was there, but she's in a wheelchair. But the confidence was there. And it was, mm -hmm. you know, she, she played it very bubbly, very confident, very like, I am the woman that men are after. And that was the one thing that was the same between her performance and Sis's in that Sis was so confident, so funny, really reinvented that character and made it good. And frankly, like, I believed the hell out of it. Like, yeah. they all wanted her and she knew it. Um, I just love that what this show is trying to do on, as a whole is just redefine the casting from the original period, you know, and mm -hmm. all of the characters, some of them are very different. But I think Ado Annie, the ditzy dumb blonde who's just hot is like the one that's the most interesting to me that they've just like turned it on its head and it still works. And that's yeah. what's great about it. All of these characters, I think, in this version of the show are like people where in the the original version, they're just like kind of caricatures. Yeah. They have like personalities. You can tell what they're going through. Sis said that she really wanted to bring her whole self to the role. And obviously she is going to bring something different to this role than a skinny white blonde girl. So she was really glad that she got that opportunity. For me, it was what was most important about this role and me taking on this role was me bringing my identity to the role because a lot of the times, you know, we'll go see Broadway shows and we'll see these castings, you know, of, you know, Black people in, in these roles. A lot of the times, it's not different, you know what I mean? And it's like, 
they weren't allowed to bring their full selves in their experience to these roles like white people are. Um, and so it was important to me that my existence and experience as a Black woman, as a Black trans woman, and as a human was brought to this arena. Um, and I think that's what really influences my Ada Wayne, and that's what makes her different because Ada Wayne is similar to me, very similar to me. Ado Annie for me, like, is a Black trans woman in that environment because she says, how can I be what I ain't? And she's different than these people. And she looks and feels and thinks differently. You know what I mean? And there's always people in society that, you know, we have to grow accustomed to and understand. So that also got us into a general conversation about race on Broadway The original production was an all-white cast, didn't really acknowledge race at all, even though it's set. The script actually says the setting is, I believe it says Indian territory Mm -hmm. in what would become Oklahoma. That's what what Oklahoma was known as before 1908 when it gained statehood. Right. This is the geographical nerd me just kind of jumping in on that sort of thing. No, I mean, that's the whole thing is that this is set like right at the cusp of when Oklahoma becomes a state. So it is technically currently at that moment Native American, or they would say Indian Territory, and yet there is nobody who's not white in it. This version has a multiracial cast, so that's something. But Sis did say, you know, that's maybe not quite as as revolutionary as we might think, and that we, we really need to make sure that inclusion isn't just performative on stage. There were Black cowboys, like a lot of Black cowboys back in the day, it, it, it's interesting as almost of, as if like we are being done a favor for being included in these narratives when really we were erased from these narratives. Musical theater is really going to have to go through it, I think, because right now where we're at is a big gaslighting game of like we're doing this and we're making change, wink, wink. But it is in our blood and it is in our bones to be racist, right? It is in our bones to oppress. It is in our bones, you know, capitalism it is in our bones. So there's only so much change can happen in a vacuum. You know, I had a whole conversation about this with Warren Hoffman, who wrote a book called The Great White Way, Race and the Broadway Musical. That's in a future episode of In Depth. But he said kind of a similar thing that sometimes just putting people of color in the cast on the stage can almost erase and make us forget about the oppression that did happen. And it's a really it's a really delicate balance. I mean, I don't think in any of these conversations I came to a conclusion about how we should handle this, but it's an interesting conversation. And I think shows and revivals like this spark that conversation, which is good. Absolutely. Yeah. And it should just be noted that for those who may not know this, Oklahoma was first the first debuted in 1942. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was an adaptation of a play from 1931. It was in 1942. So clearly the cast of characters on the original play from Rodgers and Hammerstein, the first one ever by Rodgers and Hammerstein, by the way, it certainly did not look like this. And I don't think anybody would have imagined the the evolution, I guess, of, of Oklahoma from 1942 to 80 years. In 1942 to 2022. Yeah. Yeah. And if if the play was 1931, that's almost a century. Like, Mm. it is kind of crazy that we're at this point where things are that old that are still being retold and redefined. And they're still relevant um, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting about the way they do the show is that they update everything except for the, the dialogue. Right. But it still makes sense. And you still sense that the pride and the frustration and all of the things about them being Oklahomans. Um 
especially in the last song, <laughs> which, which we, not, won't spoil, we won't spoil. But, <laughs> but um, uh, I saw in the Philadelphia Gay News that Hennessy Winkler, who plays Will Parker, who's kind of the love interest of Ado Annie, is also trans. So I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I also want to give a shout out because Sis has started a project called the Next Generation Project. It's an organization that provides resources to black and brown trans folks in need, partly because of her own experience when she was transitioning. I was living in New York and I really had little to zero resources. I went to New York with $20. I was transitioning at the same time. And so trying to figure out and navigate how that was going to be for me, you know, and how I was going to find affirming products and affirming, you know, resources, I didn't have that. And so then, you know, early on in the pandemic, when I really began to hone in on my activism, focusing on that, I was like, you know, I want to find a way to establish a space for resources that folks might need that aren't necessarily like dire resources, you know, just resources to aid from them getting from one point to another. Community is important and you should be able to rely on your community at any point. And I think, you know, for a long time, you know, asking people for money wasn't the norm, but I mean, it's like, we're all in this world together. So you can find out more about the Next Generation Project at wertng.org. And of course, you can get tickets to see Oklahoma through March 20th. It's at the Forest Theater. That's at KimmelCulturalCampus.org. Thank you so much for joining us once again, Luca. Anytime. And before we head out of here, we also want to leave you some words to ponder from my homeboy, Justin Udo, who's not just a reporter here at KYW News Radio. He also writes haiku. And Brian talked with him about the Udo haiku and how that became a thing with him. I got into writing haiku um, because it was something that was introduced to me in school, um, something that I thought was fun, something I thought was cool. But over time, it was it's become something that I really like to uh, use as a therapy, something that I use I like to use to, to take in the world around me and something I like to use to just really help me decompress. A lot of times when I'm out at a story, I like to take pictures and put a haiku to those pictures to help me process what it is I'm reporting on and really help me just break it down and really get to the meat of what something means to me. So the inspirations for the themes of the haikus that you do, do they come from all over the place, something that you walk past and see? Is it always coverage specific? Where do you draw the inspiration from? For me, the inspiration comes from everything, everywhere. Um, It can be something I'm thinking. It could be something I'm looking at. It could be something I'm reporting. It can just be a moment where I stop and, and take in the world. But for me, haiku is about the breath. It's about the fleeting moments in this world, about enjoying them, understanding them, and letting them go. And in this case, writing them down. All right. Why don't you give us your first one for this week? The first haiku I would like to present to the John cast, it's for Women's History Month, and it's dedicated to the Harriet Tubman monument that's right down at City Hall I was able to take a picture of. And when I looked at it, I I thought of these words. Without a woman constantly pushing forward, the world would regress in Udo Haiku. Now, those are great words from Justin Udo for Women's History Month. And of course, he'll be back here more often right here on the John Cast. And that's all for this week. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. You guys have a great weekend. Take it easy out there. And we'll be back at you on Monday.